I struggled getting here tonight, not, not to church, that I got here fine, although you, that could have been possible because it's pretty nasty. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the snow. Um, I, I struggled in preparation for this evening um, in terms of what to talk about, what to cover, um, how to put this together, and um, if if you're wondering, we are continuing our series called Sex Talks, and and I just, I was kind of um, slated for this week, and things were just not coming together, and even today, I was kind of like, God, you know, can I preach something else? Is that okay? Can can I do that? Um, Pretty please. And uh, last night we were, a few of us, David, Tim, and a few others, um, we had a chance to go to um, the Holy Spirit night at, at Church of the Apostles in the city. And I, w- I had a chance to share the word. And, you know, if I do say so myself, it was a wonderful message. <laughs> and I was like, God, can I just share that again? Would that be all right? And uh, I very gently, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, are you sure that's you, God? Uh, you know, sometimes we, we can't be so sure. But uh, he said, to not talk about that. Let's stick with the plan. And so I reached out to David today, and I said, David, I need some help. I need you to pray for me. Um, this is just having a hard time bringing this together, and I'm even just trying to stay in connection and conversation with God about what to share about him. He texted back with this reminder that, you know, it's, 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 it's good and it's troublesome when, when someone gives you your own words back to you, you know. And he said, um, I just feel like God is saying keep it simple. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. I told you that like a couple weeks ago. Keep it simple. So that's what we're going to try to do tonight. Um, with that, I, I, I'm actually really glad that that reminder came because I just had a cluster of notes here that... I have no clue to even how to sift through. Um, so maybe another time. Um, so thank God that he spared us all from some of that tonight, I think. Um, but as I was trying to think about what to share, um, I was reminded of what the purpose of this series was. And uh, one of the main goals in this series was to, um, to be able to hear some of the journey and story of, of people in our church, and um, even last time I got up here, um, you know, we got very theological for a while to the point where I almost forgot to share some of that story, and, um, and so I feel like God was just reminding me about that, and so I want to share a little bit more of my story, my journey tonight um, with this topic, and sort of the uh, love-hate relationship that I've had with the conversation of sex throughout my life. And um, when we, when I last spoke with you guys, um, we, we were in Genesis uh, 2. And uh, one of the things that we established was that sex is a gift from God. Okay? Very simply. 
Um, and one of the questions I asked was that if, if sex is a gift from God, um, then how is it that it has often become something else to so many of us, um, other than the gift that he intended it to be? Um, and so I want to I kind of unpack that a little bit more tonight, um, kind of through my own journey. And um, I guess I would say, you know, before I even start, just as your pastor, in all honesty, there's so much of this conversation and this topic and understanding it that, for me personally, I'm still working through. Okay, can I just be real with you on that? So, I, I don't claim to be a sex expert. <laughs> that, was, that was wonderful. Um, water break. Uh, <laughs> can we just laugh a little? That would help me. If you laugh a little tonight, that would help me. So, I'll pay you later. <laughs> I'll give you one of those Starbucks cards that nobody's taking. <laughs> Um, in fact, I would say for much of my life, even as it relates to that idea of sex being a good gift from God meant to be enjoyed in the right context, um, I have had conflicted understanding in relationship with that. And um, some of that came as a result of the things that were being said about sex around me. I grew up in a pretty conservative, very conservative Southern Baptist church in New Orleans, Louisiana. And, uh, you know, the only times I remember sex being talked about uh, was in youth group. And I remember there being this board um, and, and, and all the kids were challenged to put their name on the board to to wait till marriage, so there was that. Um, and you gotta put your name on the board, you know, because what does that say if you don't? Um, I don't even know how old I was, but uh, I put my name on the board, you know? Um, and I shared um, a few weeks ago how, for me, one of the first uh, introductions to um, sex was, was in the form of pornography in fourth grade, um, really just out of the blue from one of my classmates. And so um, there was, in that moment, even thinking back on it, this sense of something of the, the goodness that God intended that was kind of drawing me to that in this fascination. Um, but at the same time, there was this repulsion as if, um, like, I'm not ready for this. What is this? Um, and I didn't know what to do with all that, as you can imagine. And what I did know was, um, don't tell your parents and uh, anybody else, really, about that. And um, by the time I was in high school, actually probably earlier than that, I was, I was hooked on pornography, I was addicted to pornography. And that really came uh, a normal part of my life as a result of my dad. So, um, not the kind of things that you would hope to inherit um, from a father. But that's one of the things I inherited. Um, 
And, and I wrestled with, again, this, this tension between this being, this um, thing that had pleasure and that was fascinating and I was drawn to, and at the same time, this thing that I felt repulsed by. And I think that when it comes to how we view sex, God intended it one way. He intended it to be this good gift that in its right context and purpose, um, in, his, in His plan for it, it would be this thing that would be enjoyed and that it would be this thing that would be part of this fuller um, life that He planned for humanity. But often it becomes something else. And, and what is that? And I think um, often it becomes either not a gift, but um, a guilt. It becomes something shameful. It becomes something that we want to hide our feelings and desires about. Something that maybe we are confused about and, and unable to sort out. We don't have a context for doing that, so we internalize it. It's something that the church has often perpetuated by saying even things like, it's a good gift, but don't do it. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about it. David touched on some of that last week. And so that's kind of um, some of what it was for me. At the same time, I think when you um, think about not just sex, but any gift, um, it's possible and often um, the case that any gift can in fact become something more than sex. It can become uh, something that it was never intended to be. And I think when we look at our world, Sex has become something more than a gift in the eyes of many, in the hearts of many, it's become a God. What does that mean? It, it, it's, it's, it's not just sex, but I think particularly in our culture, sex has become a God, which is that it's become something that is worshipped. It's become something that has taken the place of the one who made it with a specific purpose in mind, and we've made it our own thing. We've changed the plans and purposes for it, um, and we've served it. And, and certainly in my life, both of those things as a teenager were at play. I was both ashamed of this gift, and I at the same time worshipped that gift. <laughs> Talk about, it's complicated. <laughs> As a teenager, it was complicated for me. And I'd like to say that, you know, so at some point, um, you know, graduating out of the teenage years, that was all resolved, but that's not the case. Um, so, in fact, we can also make this gift both something that we feel ashamed of and at the same time something that we are drawn to and serve and worship. How is that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking about this. So, um, anybody, this will give you a little bit of context of some of my um, immersion in church 
culture and uh, in, I guess, youth group years, somewhere in there, Left Behind came on the scene. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Left Behind is this, <laughs> yeah, chuckles and yeah, it, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you if you saw it. I don't want to embarrass. That might be more embarrassing than talking about sex. Uh, talking about Left Behind. <laughs> um, but it was this pretty awful series. I only saw one of them, but it was basically, uh, you know, when Jesus comes back, who's going to go and who's going to stay and people go missing. And, that, you know, you joke about, well, they were raptured. Then the question is, why weren't you? You know, that sort of thing. So, you know, pretty, pretty heavy stuff, you know, like, um, <laughs> when Jesus returns into the world, who's going to go, who's going to stay? That's not really what I took away from it. I think they wanted you to take away from it, like, hey, you want to be one of the people that goes, right? You don't want to stay, because it's just going to get, you think the world is bad now, it's just going to get worse. So, don't get left behind, right? Because that's, that's the whole idea. You know what my thought was as it relates to left behind and the end of the world and Jesus coming back? My thought was, boy, I sure hope I'm not a virgin when Jesus returns. Guilty. And you wouldn't want to tell anybody that. You know, because you're supposed to be happy about Jesus coming back. But really, I was thinking, man, that would be such a bummer. If Jesus comes back, because then I'm going to have to tell him, I'm not that excited about your return, Jesus. I'm actually really bummed out because this thing that I was really hoping to experience at some point in my life, I never got to. I've since realized that maybe, you know, some of those fears were unfounded. But that was me at like 15. <laughs> That's what I took away from left behind. Jesus, just take your time. <laughs> I'm only 15. Um, so, fast forward a little bit. Um, I think actually that conflict in my life was um, really more than anything else the thing that pushed me away from um, from God. Now, it's not to say that if that wasn't there, it couldn't or wouldn't have been something else, but it certainly pushed me away from the church because I didn't feel like I, um, you know, could show up in that place with all of this going on inside and not knowing what to do with it and not being able to talk to anybody about it. And so eventually I kind of began to distance myself uh, from the church. And by the time I uh, was headed off to college, there were things inside of me that I wanted and desired that at one point in my life I, I thought and said I would never want or desire or, or, or do. Um... And that was really the, the, the fruit of being outside of this religious environment which those things kind of got tucked down. Does that make sense? And so I wanted a relationship. I wanted to be in love. And I wanted what the world says comes with that. I wanted sex. I wanted to connect with somebody in that deep 
way. And I viewed um, the, the, the majority of what I had been told about sex up to that point to be uh, either a lie or some sort of withholding um, for some reason that I didn't understand. And I would say at the core, I was just thinking about the topic and I, I feel like um, for us, it's vital that we see this conversation and God's plan and intention for sex um, in light of who he is. Because for one, we can't understand it as a good gift even without understanding first that God himself is a good gift giver. That God himself is good. If we don't understand on a fundamental level that God is good, then we will believe at some point that this good thing, um, that in fact possibly God is withholding something, even of his goodness for some other reason than in fact that he's good. Does that make sense? I know that's kind of... And I think, in fact... That's part of the message that we've heard. Like, why would you save sex for marriage? Like, why would you waste your, your life until that point? That's, that's something that the world has sort of fed to us. Why would God withhold that from you, deprive you of that? This amazing thing, again, that, that um, has often been worshipped as God. And I think I believe that. It's kind of like that, that first word all the way back in the, in the beginning that he heard. Did God really say? Did God really say? And I, I think that's why we need to talk about this is because sometimes those things are things we're internalizing and we're sorting through and we need to process with the help of someone else, with the help of a community that, that is together asking, yeah, what did God really say? What is God saying? Who is God, in fact? I, I do think that is vital to this and any of the other good things that God wants to give to us in the right time and place. Because if we don't see God that way, then we will see the possibility of something like waiting as a cruel punishment. Or we will begin to think perhaps that his ways aren't good and therefore take matters into our own hands, come up with our own ways. Does that make sense? So I, I feel like in some way going off to college is kind of this I didn't have a relationship with God, so it wasn't me questioning God's goodness, but it was more like questioning a lot of the things that had been a part of my religious upbringing and trying to reconcile the desire that was in my own heart uh, for some of the things that um, were around me that I, I thought I wanted and needed to be even complete or satisfied. So uh, college became a time to uh, find out. And for me, it wasn't drugs or alcohol and those things. It was a relationship um, that included sex. 
and it was um, trying to kind of find uh, belonging and uh, meaning in that. Um, and of course, just like all the other things up to that point, um, can't tell mom. <laughs> can't tell mom. I don't know, maybe it was different for you guys, but uh, the, the only conversation I had with my mom up to that point in college was just about how I wasn't really actively looking for a church. I hate to break you. That was like hard enough to tell her, you know? So, so hey, mom, I'm in a relationship and I'm kind of doing things that you told me like for a long time I shouldn't do. That was not a conversation that was gonna happen. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's redemption in this story because it's, it's part of how I met Jesus because um, what I found out pretty quickly was trying to take what God intended as a gift and make my own way of it was only going to lead to heartbreak. And it did. It was only going to lead to pain. It was only going to lead to confusion. It was, gonna, it was only going to lead to not this thing um, serving me, but me serving it. And, and that's what happened in my life. And um, it, it led to um, depression for me. It led to a, a broken relationship that was beyond repair. It led to bitterness and resentment and all these things in my heart. And at one time, at, in one way I was trying to cover up and deal with all that in the same way that I've been trying to deal with all of those things. Um, but I was, I was really pretty broken, and it was in the middle of that that God really met me and um, revealed himself to me and, um, and showed me just on a simple, gentle, but humbling level that when we try to do things in our own timing, in our own way, in our own plan, it just doesn't work out well. And... Um, Part of what led to me giving everything to, to Jesus was just this question of um, how is that going? <laughs> like God interrupted me in this in this worship service, and I I wasn't aware of Him until that moment. And I looked down and I see my feet, and He says, "Your feet can take you wherever you want to go." And what that meant to me was. How is the path that you've been walking on working out for you? See, I always thought of this thing called freedom as something that if we followed God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have. And I thought of freedom as the ability to choose whatever we wanted. That's not freedom. It's funny when the ability to choose whatever you want actually leads to you being trapped. That's not freedom. And that's what had happened in my life. The things that I was running after, chasing after, that I thought would fulfill me were actually leaving me empty and trapped. And yet the gift was still good. The gift giver was still good. And in that moment he said, how about you try following me? It wasn't specific to this area of my life, but I knew it had applications to every area of my life, including this one. 
And I was in a place of brokenness and trying to pick up the pieces of that and not even knowing how to proceed. And even scared of the things that were in my heart because the desires that I had tried to fulfill only got worse. And so in desperation I said, okay, God, I don't really know what that means, but okay. And I also told him, oh, by the way, this is bad time. <laughs> that was very humble for me to say that to God. <laughs> God, I don't know if you're aware, but this is bad time if you interrupt my life um, with your grace and your love. Because <laughs> he didn't know it. I think he knew it, actually. But uh, I was headed back to senior year of college. And, um, and uh, you know, I came back because he told me to, but I came back with a lot of um, fear even that uh, about the relationships that I had with people around me who didn't know Jesus and, and knew a very different me. And uh, what I love about it is that there was something in my life now that began to just reframe everything for me. And um, to the point where I had one of my roommates upon telling him that, hey, things are different. The John that you knew is not here anymore. Um, you've got a new roommate, actually. Um, <laughs> don't be weirded out by that. <laughs> um, and we actually made a bet because he knew the old me. And he said, I guarantee you, you will be back with your old girlfriend by the end of the month. And I said, I guarantee you, I will not be. And, uh, and I will be happy. <laughs> and so we bet each other a steak dinner, and I won the steak dinner. He never um, followed through with that, by the way. But, um, but God had changed some things dramatically in my life. Um, but one of the things that, that didn't necessarily change was still this tension between um, this thing being uh, either guilt or God at times. And I think it's one of the reasons that it's still difficult to talk about some of that because I'm still navigating through some of that. And what I would want to say is, um, yeah, it's, it's a process that um, we're probably all journeying in some way through. And I, I just want to encourage you. Um, I really think that part of the power of this time for us is not just hearing a few stories up here, but it's um, us as a community deciding that we're going to let God into some of that. And we're going to let other people into some of that. And we're going to not, not try to act like we have it all together and um, that everything's okay. Um, and, um, you know, what I would say is, you know, I wish, uh, there was actually a season in my life at, after that point, um, a lot of things changed for me, and I w was walking in uh, a joy with God that was really um, profound, and um, the addiction that I had for, I don't know, 10 plus years pornography, um, was let go of. And there was experience of freedom and purity in my life that 
Um, I didn't even know what, like, I didn't have a grid for before that. Um, and I wish I could say that that, like, has taken me all the way to now. Um, but that's not the case. And in fact, um, I kind of felt like I was, I was, like, in cruise control in that area of my life for quite a while. And then, um, and in fact, I, I was just, I was content to be by myself, to be single. I was kind of like, God, oh, there's a lot of work to do there. I don't know even where to begin. Um, so we're just going to put that all on hold. I'm just going to be happy, single guy in my 20s, and probably people think I'm just really weird. And that's okay. <laughs> and, and I was. I was just happily single and loving God and, and learning what it meant to have like healthy friendships with people. Because when I was in, in college and in a dating relationship that was really this possessive thing, um, I realized actually I scared and I scared off all my friends. So I, I didn't really have any um, good friendships. I didn't know what that meant. And one of the things God was teaching me was how to have healthy relationships with people. How to have relationships with people that weren't somehow sexualized. Um, how to love people in a way that isn't somehow tied up with that word. Uh, because love is not um, necessarily sex. And sex is not always love. And in our culture, we've made them one and the same. We've intertwined them in this way that is often confusing and misleading, but they're not the same thing. So we say making love, but um, making love isn't always uh, loving. Are you following me? So we, we, we've, we've intertwined these two. In fact, love is something um, that can include and, and, and the, the act of sex, uh, but it's a motivation, right? So uh, I was learning how to love people without that being a part of the equation. And that's um, something that our culture has a hard time doing in a lot of ways. Um, so, and then um, eventually I met this girl. Hello. Online? No, not really. <laughs> well, we met in person one time. I didn't remember it. Oops. <laughs> um, but she remembered it. And then we began talking on Facebook. And, and uh, I was like, God, are you calling me out of this um, happily single state that I've been in for a while? And uh, eventually I thought the answer was yes. And so we started dating. And, um, well, <laughs> we dated for like a week. And we went back to being friends. It's complicated. I'll explain it. <laughs> <laughs> had something to do with her mom, let's just put it that way. Um, but one of the things that happened in that season of like entering back into um, just even considering a romantic relationship was I started struggling again with pornography. And I'm like, where is this coming from? I thought we were good, God. I thought we were, we were cruise control. And even in this relationship, I, I, I struggled with how to uh, 
address that and how to talk about that and what to do with that. And it was weird because we weren't struggling in our relationship with each other, but I was struggling in that area by myself. So I didn't even know what to do with that. And so, um, you know, I would say even up to the point where we got engaged and we got married, um, like our struggle wasn't one together. It was really one that I was dealing with internally and in my own life. And it, it added to even that feeling of like guilt, of like, oh, well, you shouldn't be um, dealing with that. And, um, and even the idea of people looking at our relationship and, and thinking, wow, model citizens. And then there being uh, this part of my life that I didn't want to talk about. That, that added to even that guilt factor that I felt like I thought I was kind of getting free of, you know? So, um, and that's been something that has been uh, a journey and a challenge and an obstacle, um, even in our married life. And I, I want to, part of the reason I'm, I'm sharing that is because I want to debunk something that I think when it comes to even the idea of managing our desires, um, and especially as a single person, if you're in that in that um, phase of life, um, it's the idea that when you get married, if you get married, that that will all be taken care of. Because now you will have someone to connect with on that level, and, and it will be, you'll ride off into the sunset happily ever after. It doesn't work that way. You know why? Because your your the, the the temptations that you have as a single person they just change as a married person. They're still there. Though. They they still exist. And I think that's part of why God's wisdom He's actually calling us all to some of the same thing. Uh, he's He's calling us all to steward what He's given us. And to trust Him with the things that aren't for us right now. Does that make sense? And, and so whether you're, you're single and, 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 and trying to wait, and maybe you're, you're all over the map in that regard, or you're pursuing a relationship and you're, you're trying to manage your desires in a healthy way, in a God-honoring way to that person and for yourself, uh, or you're married and you're um, trying to protect the covenant that you made with your spouse. Uh, we're, we're all in the same boat in some regard. And it's why um, we need this thing called the Holy Spirit <laughs> in our life. Regardless of what place you're at, we all need the Holy Spirit to help us to steward our desires in a way that would honor Him and to enjoy the gifts that he's given us already and to be content with not having some of the ones that we don't have yet. Because sex is a gift, but it's not necessarily a gift for everyone. That makes some people upset. <laughs> or that makes some people defiant. Or that makes some people bitter. Or confused. In marriage, 
you still need self-control. <laughs> In fact, I would suggest that everything up to that point is time to be training you in that. And if you don't learn the lesson before you get married, well, guess what? You can still learn it after. But you do have to. It's, it's not like, <laughs> okay, yeah. Whether it's just two people having to work at loving each other and not taking what they want or need, demanding what they want or need, but having to be in relationship with the motivation of love, waiting for each other even in that is important and has to happen. So I just, I want to clarify that because I think that's a, a myth that once you get married, the, the, the issue of sex and keeping it the good gift that God intended is solved. Because it's, it's not. So we're still on that journey. And God is faithful and he's good. And he's bringing healing. Even if sometimes it feels like it's um, still uh, <laughs> on its way. So, um, I don't know what time it is. Time to wrap up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I want to wrap up in prayer. And I just, um, with even just with the reminder of what I said a little bit earlier, I... I um, I really think part of the application for this time is to just ask God that he would give all of us the, the boldness and the courage and the freedom to, um, to engage each other in our own journeys in this and, and conversation and even to just open up to somebody um, uh, at the point of perhaps questions or needs or um, confusion. So let's pray. God, you are good, and we are people who have seen your goodness. We are people who have tasted of your goodness, and we are people who are still in process of inviting your goodness into our lives in a greater way, and desiring to see all that you have made good be what you intended it to be. Desiring to see, desiring to understand, desiring to know. And God, we are all in that journey and oftentimes we um, may feel like it's far off or maybe we're confused or maybe we're going it alone and I just thank you that we're not and it isn't far off, and that you are here to help us, and that you've given us each other in that as well. And so, God, I just pray um, into this place that even as we're all navigating um, what to make of this gift and, and how, uh, what its place is in our life currently and what we desire it to be and how to get rid of some of the baggage yeah, God, we just need your help. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you 
so love to help us. And I thank you that you're in our midst as we are having these conversations and that um, we're just letting you um, reveal the truth. And we ask you to, to uh, continue to move in that way. That we would be able to experience uh, more of your freedom, more of your plans and your purposes, and ultimately more of you. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, y'all, we are going to take communion tonight. And when you're ready, you can come and receive uh, Christ's body and his blood broken for us and shed on our behalf.